0: Thanks for listening to The Issue Podcast. If you like what you hear, then be sure to catch us every week on all of the top streaming platforms. If you want more of The Issue and access to our exclusive episodes, then subscribe to The Issue mic Up. All of the links can be found on our website, and the link is in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram, at the underscore issue podcast, and on our Twitter, at the issue podcast.
1: You are now locked in and listening to The Issue.
0: This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no,
1: I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship.
0: This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is the issue. It is April seventh, and we have another great episode.
1: Happy baseball season! Uh, That starts today. The MLB is back. Opening day. Hopefully, you're listening to this a little bit earlier in the morning. Uh, It came out, you know, before noon. I think most of the games start at uh, like noon, one o'clock, two o'clock, somewhere around there. Yeah. Get your lessons in. We have our our picks for our divisions, right? We're not going to do records. At at that point, you're saying, oh, I I think, you know, 100 games or 95. I'm not having that argument with you. I'm not having that argument with you. You know what I mean? So we're going to pick the general order of them uh, in the third segment. We'll have top 10 NFC quarterbacks say We're talking, my God, does it get thin around, like, Seven,
0: yeah, six, Real seven. Uh, it took us a while on those last two to three spots. Uh, we did AFC last week, NFC this week, and uh, we
1: some, some GM genius today. Yeah. NFC South, crazy kind of, division. A lot of needs. Kind of a tire fire. Position. A lot of the, needs. There's one team on that where we don't even have a pick. We just, I, I'm just giving them advice to turn their franchise from being horrific into like you know average at best. Um, then we all, obviously we have hits and misses in the first segment because that. I mean. That's a staple. That's a staple.
0: Absolutely. Hits and misses always goes uh, in the first segment. But, yes, we will have a very, very packed episode today, baseball and uh, the NFL. But without further ado, let's go
1: right into it here. Hits and misses. Let's go. Let's go with the first hit. Um, We've said from almost the beginning of the entire show, but uh, aggressive wins. And, I mean, L.A., there's, there's a reason that the Rams... Um, continuously are really, really good because they keep bringing in top-end talent. Uh, So so they they lose Vaughn Miller, but he gained Bobby Wagner. Um, I would argue, especially at the price for both of them, that Bobby Wagner's a better get. Vaughn Miller's, what, uh, six years, $120 That is a lot of money. It is. That's $20 a year to be paying. Vaughn is certainly a really, really good player. What is he, $20 million a year? Probably not, right? They're paying Bobby more like 10 incentives. It could reach like... Uh, 11 or 12 a year right so uh, that's much more manageable and i get that it's a less valuable position middle linebacker as opposed to an edge rusher but there's a reason that la is continually good because they're aggressive they go out and get players they are not afraid to move some money around right and at the end of the day they get really good value out of everybody they're they're not afraid to say hey von miller go ahead and walk like we really appreciate you go get your money we're going to move on and, and get more value at that position, right? Instead of paying you $20 million, it's probably a little bit high. And since they, they lose him, and they still have an excellent pass rush, so it's not like he was needed. But their their middle linebacker, their inside linebackers, is a position of need. They go get more value, and they decide to, to allot some money there. And it was a really good pickup, Bobby Wagner to the Rams. How right, about a miss? Let's go with, uh, with Duke. I thought Duke was going to – once I knew that they were in the Final Four or Lead 8, Final Four, or whatever – I kind of expected them to win it, right? Once my team, UCLA, was knocked out in the Sweet 16, I was like, okay, well, I'm looking at the team's left in the Elite Eight, the Final Four, right? And I'm like, I think Duke has, first of all, they have the most guys that are probably going to be NBA first-round picks. Um, they have arguably the best coach in college basketball. The issue is that all those NBA guys are too ready. They're, they're, they're almost too ready for the NBA because none of them play defense. Not a single person on Duke it would be a top 400 NBA defender tomorrow. And I don't even know if there's 400 guys in the NBA. I mean, you'd have to go down to the G League to find guys that are as bad of defenders as everyone on Duke's roster. Um, Carolina had one guy. So that manic for, for North Carolina was not playing well. So they had one guy to guard, and it's Caleb Love, the, the guard who hit that big shot. Yeah, I, I, how, how, do you, how are you not almost doubling him, especially on the last session of the game? Um, it was kind of inexcusable on Duke's part. I thought they would win it. They didn't, um, and they lost in a really bad way. Like, first of all, it was a great game. I'm not trying to take anything away from Carolina, but Duke is a significantly more talented and a better coach basketball team, and they just didn't execute down the stretch. Quite simply, all right. Let's go with another hit. Um, I, I've been saying that the MLB needs to get interesting, and um, I, and I've been saying that they're not. But I, I have said that look, what they need to get interesting and that they're, they're taking minor steps to it. I think the whole uh, umpires announcing the, the call on the field, right, like with a microphone to the yep. whole entire ballpark. Um, do I think it's that big of a deal? No. But do I think it's at least interesting, it's new, it's fun? Yes. Baseball needs anything that's new and fun. I, I would argue that they need to implement a rule like this and better rules like this two or three times a year let's keep changing let's keep adapting I want this sport to look different in 10 years I'm gonna be honest with
0: you it is a step in the right direction that's for sure um it you know there's been a lot of times where people are confused on just plain and simple why an umpire made a call and and for why
1: they haven't had a microphone for the last 20 years I don't know because it's been possible you could do it I remember there's, there's mic'd up. There's mic up footage from the you know the late '90s. So. The, yeah, I mean the
0: NFL has been having uh, referees announce the calls since what? I have no
1: idea. Maybe the '80s, '90s. I mean they've always had PA speakers as long as I can remember. I, I don't know. No, yeah. I'm with you. It's good. But it's step in the right direction. It's 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 something. Um, let's go to the miss. Uh, the Chiefs getting a wide receiver. I said that you got to go get a veteran wide receiver. Um, so far they haven't. I. I mean, like I guess you get a Valdez Scantling, the Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling from the Packers. You get Juju. I think you still need to add one more guy. Devontae Parker was on the market, um, but he ends up going to New England. Like the fact that Miami would have rather traded him in division to New England says that clearly Kansas City wasn't, you know, wasn't uh, offering enough. I'm guessing they were in on that, and they should have just lumped them right in with the Tyree Kill trade. That would have been a better idea, but. Yeah. Um, DK Metcalf's also been rumored to be out on the market. I think the chiefs need to go get somebody. Um, and they haven't yet. And I will say they, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they move up. I've been seeing a lot of mock drafts where they move up a couple spots to go get a wide receiver. So we'll see again, the draft, it, not a veteran, but still, um, a top end wide receiver. I another hit. Um, let's go with the Miami Dolphins. I've been saying that, uh, you can't, you can't pay a wide receiver $30 million a year. Um, especially when you go sign uh, your, your top defensive back to a five-year extension that, that puts him over $20 million a year. Uh, this year and the next year are going to be relatively average on the pay. Um, and then it goes way up for the last the next five years, right? He's, he's locked in with the team for another five, six years after that, I think. Um, so he's going to be making north of $20 million. I understand the cap's going to go up, but that is a huge number for a cornerback also when you're paying your wide receiver that much. Um, you got a you got a pretty expensive. Um, you're gonna have an expensive quarterback at some no point, right? Because you're either gonna end up paying Tua, which I don't, I don't think would be the right call, or I think you're probably they're probably gonna go out and get a high end quarterback. Uh, I, I can't see them starting over with a rookie, so they're either gonna go get a high end quarterback that's gonna be expensive, um, or they're gonna sign Tua. So I, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but uh, whatever. I think they're gonna be more competitive, so I'll give them that. Yeah, they will. Be. I don't think they're in a Super Bowl window, but they'll be competitive. All right, let's go to another miss. Uh, I'll go wide receiver contracts in general. I, I, I've i been saying that um, I would rather have a good offensive line than wide receivers. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the league's changing. I mean, well, clearly the league's changing. Joe Burrow got to the Super Bowl um, with a really good wide receiving core and a terrible offensive line. And I guess the, the change is being displayed and the, the massive contracts the wide receivers are getting. Stephon Diggs got, what, like four years, a $100 million. That's like twenty five million a year. That's more than I would pay, especially when you're paying Vaughn Miller twenty million a year. But whatever, it's fine. Um, if you look at the end of the day, if you got Josh Allen, you got a really good wide receiver, and you got a pass rusher locked up for five plus years, I guess you could be in worse space. Yeah, I you're say. in a you're in a decent spot. You could be in worse spots, right? You could be Cleveland. I, once I get to my rant, you'll see who who you could be. Um, but. It's more than I'd pay, and I guess it's a sign the league is changing. I, I guess I'm a little slow to change. I still would rather have a really solid offensive line, and you know a couple average B plus wide receivers as opposed to a lot of really good wide receivers and a terrible offensive line. But hey, the Bengals proved me wrong. I'm sure I'll be proved wrong again. Um, but that's uh, that, that's kind of the point of hits and misses. And so there it is, hits and misses on a Thursday. Yeah. To go back to that point a
0: little bit, I do feel like I feel like in some ways, yes, the league is changing. But I also think there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, folks. I mean, you can do it by signing offensive linemen and building that fortress around your quarterback. And I think there's also another method where, you know, it doesn't work with everybody, but you can go out and you can get a a wide receiver talent to go with your quarterback and be a little more aggressive offensively. Um,
1: I don't think that way works quite as often. I don't think it's as sustainable, exactly. I will say. Like, 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 for example, look at New England. I understand that their quote-unquote dynasty was... Before this massive change, right? It's been changed a lot in the last two, three years. <clears throat> but still, I mean, their dynasty was built on running the football, defense, good offensive line. Yes. So I think sustained, long term success. You gotta have you gotta have people up front to block. I don't know. And the great I mean, way,
0: the great thing about how the NFL is set up too. I mean, different schemes, different dynasties rise and fall uh-huh. by you know a different. System, a different uh, strategy and philosophy. You know, almost every ten years, a new one seems to pop up. Yeah, um, you're
1: not wrong. I mean, look, look. Mike Kadick even said it's what forty three or forty six percent of your entire offense. So
0: is offensive line. I mean, that's insanely important uh, when you talk about that large of a, a group
1: of guys. Okay, um, so I, so I want to transition into this a little bit here. Um, speaking of those teams, right? I was saying you'll you'll find out here in a second. Um, you uh, like you could be in a worse spot. I was talking about Buffalo. You know, they're paying Von Miller a lot. Josh Allen's, it's more of an extension. So he'll start start making a lot um, in the coming seasons, but uh, still going to be an expensive quarterback. Now, Stephon Diggs is an expensive wide receiver, right? But again, you could be in worse spots. You could be the Jags, the Browns, etc. So I was thinking about how bad these teams are, and I was thinking, how do bad teams suck so bad for so long in the NFL? Like, so consistently. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, l, l- Seriously. Let's look at the, the bottom 10 of the league over the last decade, so 32-22. to 22. So we have the Jags, the Browns, the Jets, the Giants, the Lions, the Washington football team, Vegas, the Bucks, who have been really bad for a decade minus the Brady years, minus the two Brady years, so they're lumped into there. Um, the Bears, Houston, and Miami. We have two Super Bowls combined. So as opposed to the top ten, which has seven. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. The top ten alone has seven of the last ten Super Bowls. Bottom ten only have two. But the 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 thing is, there they have three things. The the were the bad teams, right? You finish on a bad year, right? I'm talking the Bengals before they get Burrow, right? Or I don't know the Browns for the last I don't know, pick a day. P- pick when you were born and then just go until present. That many years. <laughs> pick your age. The Browns have sucked for that long pretty much. Since Jim Brown retired, the Browns have been terrible. They've have, they've have three things that really that really go for them, right? And they're 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 all pretty significant. Number 1, you get an easier schedule. There's a such thing as a fourth place schedule, there's a third place schedule, a second place schedule, and a first place schedule. You guessed it. First place generally has the hardest schedule. Fourth place has the easiest schedule. It's a real thing. Go look it up. Number two, you get a better draft pick. If you finish 1 in, what now, 16, you will be the number one overall pick. You will get the first crack at the entire draft prospect list, the, the entire draft, to pick the best one that you think is there. Number three, you have generally probably worse players if you're a bad football team. Worst players equals less money allocated to those players in a general sense, which means you have more cap space. So you play an easier schedule, have more, better means to acquire talent through the draft, and you have more money to acquire talent outside of the draft. That, let me translate that for you. The Jaguars, you have no excuse to suck for a decade. You've been drafting inside the top five for eight of the last ten years. I mean, the Giants. Let's just go with the Giants, for example. They are the fourth most losing team over the last decade. They're actually one of the teams that accounts for the two Super Bowls, believe it or not. It was exactly ten years ago. Maybe not ago, not today, but this year, 2012, they beat the Patriots in that Super Bowl. Regardless, they don't even have a single unit that they are a B at. They have a C minus unit everywhere. Quarterback, D minus. Offensive line, D minus. Running back, if you give me the whole when healthy thing, that means it's at bare minimum a D and at best a B minus. So I'll I'll give you maybe the running back room. Wide receivers, C. Defensive line, C plus. Secondary, C minus. Linebackers, D. Safeties, you just lost your bill preppers? Probably an F. I have no idea who their safeties even are. They are paying nobody. They have no good players, and I couldn't tell you a single person that they're paying top dollar to. They're over the cap. The Rams now pay top dollar at four positions. They now pay inside the top five annual per year salary of the contract for four positions. Quarterback, cornerback, Jalen Ramsey, Defensive line: Aaron Donald, and now Bobby Wagner. It's a it's the same cap. There's a salary floor and there's a salary cap. Everybody's playing with generally the same amount of money here. And and New York's over the cap. They don't they don't pay anybody. They're not even good at a single unit. They're drafted inside the top ten again this year. I I, I who are you paying? Where's your money? Who's drafting for you? And whoever it is, get a new guy because they're terrible. Whoever took Jan- Daniel Jones at, at six, I hope he got fired because it's the worst draft pick in the history of draft picks. How about Chicago? Chicago just let go in the last, like, three years. Well, actually, in the, in the last maybe three months, but Khalil Mack, right? You just lost Allen Robinson, your top receiver. You just lost your best lineman. He's, he's now with Pittsburgh. Last offseason, you lost your, you lost your best DB. You have one good linebacker, but he's probably B plus, not even an A player. And they have no cap space. Well, are these teams using different bank? It, do the Rams have a Swiss bank account? I'm unaware of. Is Chicago playing with piggy bank money? No, no, they're not. I can show you their, pay, their payroll right now. It, it, it's within like five million dollars of the cap, which I think what is like two hundred seventy or something like that right now. Or no, I'm sorry, like two ten. Doesn't matter doesn't matter. I just don't understand how you're bad for this long. And you will see quick rebuilds every once in a while, but you need a generational talent to do it. You get a Joe Burrow, right? You get a Josh Allen. The Bills were pretty bad before Josh Allen. Um, I just, I, if you are, if you are one of the teams, I'll read them again. The Jaguars, the Browns, the Jets, the Giants, the Lions, the football team, the Raiders, but I'll, I'll give them a pass because they're looking up for right now. The Bucks, I'll give them kind of a pass because they have Brady for right now. The Bears, the Texans, and the Dolphins. Even the Dolphins, I'm not going to give a pass because I don't think they have the right quarterback. I at least think the Raiders have the right quarterback. I don't think the Dolphins do. So I think in another year or two, they're going to kind of be in a cycle again where they suck because they're not going to have a quarterback, and then they're going to be overpaying at a bunch of positions Especially cornerback and wide receiver, and wide receiver, especially speedy small ones, deteriorate really quick. So, I think I think Miami is going to be closer to the Jets and the Giants here in about four years than say the the Raiders or the Bucks. But any of these teams, eight of the ten, you have absolutely. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Almost all of them are fourth place teams. Chags, yep. Texans I mean they're in the same division as the Jags so we'll call it a tie yep that's fourth place team the Browns this year since you're paying Deshaun Watson 25 million or 25 percent of the cap and he's not even going to play for you until maybe I don't know December fourth place team Jets easily it's not even close the Giants absolutely you could chalk them up they might be the worst team in the NFC Lions they're going to be competing with the Giants for the worst team. Um, Washington, I think they have a little bit of hope, but, uh, who knows with Carson Wentz, you never, you never really know the bears. They're going to be fighting with the lions for, uh, for third place, not even arguable. And, uh, and Miami who, uh, they'll, they'll be a third place team. So, you know, put a crown on them for that. Uh, you, you have no excuse. You're going to get an easy schedule. You're going to be drafted inside the top 10, the top 15 every single year. Um, and And you generally should have more cap space unless you're using piggy bank money like Chicago and the Giants for some reason. I don't understand where your cap all went because you have no units that are even good, not even competitive. That's all I got. That's all I got. Let's get over to the second segment. We'll have top 10 NFC quarterbacks and GM genius on the other side of the break. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to The Issue. This episode is brought to you by Phoenix or FNX. It's almost summertime. Go out and get all your supplements you need to keep you in the gym. Burn those love handles. Let's get out on the beach this summer, guys. Thank you for listening to the issue. Again, go use code TJ2022 for 15% off your purchase. Thank you, guys. All right. We are back on a rainy-ish, wet, cloudy, dreary kind of Thursday here could be worse i will say but uh certainly not ideal i don't know the precipitation thing is just i hey what april showers bring May flowers um not a big flower guy but you know the whole sunlight thing that kind of goes along with it sun fun hanging out I, I i'll sacrifice some april
0: for it Yeah, but in pittsburgh you could basically say that uh april showers bring a possible uh june um blizzard in some yeah, circumstances,
1: you, you never really know.
0: You, you, you never, never really know in this know. place. But uh, you know what? Nevertheless, we are we are here. It is a Thursday. We have more sports to talk. A big segment here: uh, some baseball, some football. We're gonna start with the football and the top NFC quarterbacks uh, going into this season. And it's a little thin. It is. It is thin. We will say that.
1: I mean, I'll tell you right now. So we're gonna start with ten. Actually, I won't even preface it. Let's just let's just start with ten, and you'll understand what I mean. We'll go ten to one. We always do. We ranked AFC last week, NFC this week. You're gonna see what we mean when it is a little thin. Yeah. Okay, number (laughs) ten. I I gotta go, Jared Goff. (laughs) I have to go, Goff. So, to be fair, right, the other guys that we were thinking of um, in the conversation was like Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Marcus Mariota, Daniel Jones. to, to be fair, he's won a Super Bowl. Um, he's the, the Lions were clearly better with him this year. He missed a couple games, and they weren't quite as good. So I guess that shows something because the Lions are pretty bad. Um, I I don't know. What else, what else am I supposed to say for Jared Goff? Um, I'll say he's not higher because he's not that good.
0: He's won a Super Bowl. No,
1: he's been to a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Same thing, yeah, same thing, same thing. You're ba- look, he's, won,
0: enough, he's won an NFC Championship game.
1: Which is more than I, I a lot of guys, that even some that are above him on this list uh, that can say, but he's just not that talented, to be honest with you. Throws a really nice deep ball, um, but the accuracy is a little bit off, doesn't have a special arm, um, just not all that productive of an NFL quarterback. All right, number nine, let's go Jameis Winston. I, you know, I'll give him credit. The Saints were at least really competitive when he played last season. He got hurt, and they were abysmal. Um, they just weren't that good of a football team outside of Sean Payton kind of willing them to victory. Um, they, look, he can he can really spin it. He can spin it. He can move a little bit. And if he can kind of curb the mistakes, I think he'll be a fine quarterback. Um, look, nothing that's going to be top five, maybe even top three. That's just not realistic. Um, but do I think he could be work his way into like a top seven quarterback in the NFC? Absolutely. We'll have him at nine coming off an injury. We'll see. Number eight, I'll put Jalen Hurts slightly above him. Because, first of all, he was healthy all last season, which for a mobile quarterback is saying something. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, we kind of ate our words last year, the fact that he got to the playoffs. And uh, was it always pretty? No. But was he productive? Yes. It seemed like we looked up and he accounted for two or three touchdowns almost every week, whether it was on the ground, through the air, um, and at the end of the day, he did get the job done. He got him to the playoffs, and that's not that strong of a roster with a rookie head coach. So I'll give him some props. He's at eight. Seven, I'm going to put Wentz above him because Wentz is a better thrower of the football. Wentz is six five, big arm, can move. Does he have his flaws? Absolutely. Is it the flaws that Jalen Hurts has? No, Jalen Hurts, his flaw is throwing the football, <laughs> and he's an NFL quarterback, right? Carson Wentz doesn't have that problem. I could argue that he throws the ball – too much, right? He throws it too well to the point where his confidence is kind of crazy sometimes and he throws bad mistakes. Yeah. Like I don't think his issue is throwing the football, like a, for example, a Jalen Hurts is. Um so that's why Wentz is slightly above him. I he's not higher just because of the mistakes thing and the fact that I mean he, he's been with some pretty decent rosters and really hasn't produced much, right? The Colts was that was a solid roster and you missed the playoffs. Um that lands him at seven. Six, let's go with Kirk Cousins. You were kind of vying for Kirk Cousins here, and I agree with you. Kirk Cousins is, um, like, he puts up big boy numbers. Now, the reason he's not higher, because, I mean, statistically, he's a top probably on this list, four, maybe five. He's he's statistically better than Dak. Yeah. Um, But Dak's ahead of him, so we'll get to him. But uh, Kirk's not higher because he kind of shrinks in big moments. He doesn't really do anything that wows you athletically or even with his arm. He just kind of makes the right throw on time not a whole lot of mistakes, which there is definitely something to be said for that in the league. Um, But he's certainly not going to go out and win you games. He's not going to lose them. He's going to put you in a position to win them, but he's not going to go Kyler Murray, take over a game, single-handedly win you a football game. Um, So six is about right here. He'd, He'd still be in the top 10 in the AFC, probably closer to 10. We discussed, you know, Ryan Tannehill was 10. He'd probably slot in somewhere around six on this list which put Kirk Cousins somewhere around 9, 10, 11 in the AFC, and that, that's pretty good. All right, number five, let's go with Dak. I, I think he's slightly better because, A, he's more mobile. B, I would say he's more dependable on a game-to-game basis. Kirk yep. will have either a really solid game, right, really, you know, two touchdowns, no picks, pass rating of 100.
0: Or it just really goes off the Or it'll be quick. like a
1: pass rating of 62 picks, right, it, it yeah. gets bad. Um, Dak's a little bit more kind of level, um, like I said, he's more mobile. I think he's a little bit better of a leader, right? Mm-hmm. You, Dak kind of has that, like, alpha male feel to him, right? So, I don't know. We'll go with Dak at five. Here's where you actually start getting into the best of the best, right? I think there's—I think it's—I'll explain to you the tiers afterwards, but let's go Kyler Murray at four. I, he does things on a football field that no one can, can, can explain, kind of like Lamar when you're just like, I don't understand how he does it. Um, but he, I think he throws better than Lamar. He's got that baseball kind of sidearm little sling to it. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be an all-timer in my eyes. But the issue is the health. And now that he's he, – the whole weird off-season thing is kind of a turnoff for me. But nonetheless, super talented. A lot of talent around him as well. So I think he'll have a really solid season. We'll go Kyler at four. Three, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. I, I think some people would put him at one or two. We discussed this and uh, – we kind of agreed three. You you even put out the quote, he doesn't win enough. No, he doesn't. I
0: I, I mean, it, since when has he won an NFC championship game other than the year that they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl? I mean, it's the only championship game that he has won, the conference championship game that he has won. Can we talk about that for a second? I mean, yes, huh? he is insanely talented. He is probably talent and physically, like physical-wise, he's probably a top, not probably, he is a top five to top three quarterback in the league. Absolutely. On any given day. Yep. But the inconsistency and the inability to win in big moments is something that, you know, like think about it. Matt Stafford played his whole career with the miserable lions one year flip the script he wins a super bowl that's how that's how a number one quarterback should play when you have the right team you have the right system you have the right coach and aaron has kind of had those things almost his whole career in green bay and he only has one conference championship to show for it
1: yeah and one super bowl that's it i agree i agree and the thing is like you look at the two guys that are above him brady and stafford Um, They have both consistently reworked their contracts and um, taken less money to get a better team around them and be a true leader. Aaron Rodgers took $50 million knowing 100% that they weren't going to be able to keep Devontae Adams. And now, whenever he has a bad receiving core, then he's going to look up at the front office and blame them for it. So he's not a good leader. He can't perform in the playoffs, not in big moments. He, as a person, is just not not what I want out of my quarterbacks. He's, abrasive. he's a three. He is He's an irritant to every situation. Right, let's go with Tom Brady at two. I think he's just below Matt Stafford because, A, Stafford beat him in the playoffs and beat him twice last year. And they wasn't all that competitive, I will say, uh, especially in the first meeting and the second meeting until the very final drive. Um, or like the final quarter, I guess. Uh, so I'll put Stafford above him at one. Like we've said, it he's reworked his deal to become a better leader. He, one year with a functional organization, he not puts him on his back. But there are games where you're like, oh, Matt Stafford was just like simply better than everybody else. Yes. And he willed them to victory. So Matt Stafford's going to land at one here. I think he's the best and most winning quarterback right now going into the season in the NFC. So to recap, we'll have Stafford, Brady, Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott at five, Kirk Cousins six, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and then Jameis at 9, and Jared Goff at (laughs) 10, to kind of round it out. So let me explain to you the tiers, because I think there's huge drop-offs here that need to be addressed. I think it's Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, massive jump. Like a four-story building jump. And then you have Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. And then I think you have like a three-story building jump, and you have Carson Wentz. And I think you have a ten-story building jump, and you have Jalen Hurts and Jameis Winston, and then I think you have about a two-story jump, and you have Jared Goff. Like they, I, although Goff and Winston are right next to each other in the rankings, I think Jameis Winston is significantly better than Jared Goff. Yeah, significantly, right? Same with the the other the other one. I think Carson Wentz is head and shoulders better than Jalen Hurts, like in every almost every facet of the game. Right. The other jump, uh, I went from. Rodgers to Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray has yet to win a play. He has yet to even look competitive in a playoff game. Yeah, I'll give Aaron credit. I mean, he, he at least looks competitive in a lot of them. He's at least closer to five hundred in the playoffs. He has the experience. I, I he's at least a little bit more physically dependable as well. Um, so I, I have my my arguments about Aaron, but Kyler Murray there is certainly a massive drop off. Yeah, from Rodgers to Kyler, right? There's a massive drop off from Kirk Cousins to Carson Wentz. Um, I don't know. That that those are our top ten NFC quarterbacks. Let's get into let's uh, let's actually do GM geniuses. Let's, okay, yeah. Let's do some GM genius, um, and kind of going off the NFC. Let's stay in the NFC. Let's go to the NFC South. We got the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons. Here we go. <clears throat> Clear the throat. Get some water. Almost choke on the water as well. <laughs> All right. all right, number one for the Bucks. Let's start with them. I would get together all your higher ups. I would get together Todd Bowles, whoever he hires as the, the uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Byron Leftwich, who's the offensive coordinator, Tom Brady, your general manager, your your um, your owner, whoever else you want. But th- those are probably the main six right there. Maybe if you want to include like a like a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, right? I don't care. Those are bare minimum six. Get them all together and let's all agree that Todd Bowles doesn't even look at the offensive game plan, doesn't touch it, doesn't interfere with what the offense is doing. Let's let Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich keep running their offense, right? They are clicking, they they were clicking last season. They're finally understanding what each are comfortable with, they're on the right terminology. Todd Bowles stay out of that. You he, he was terrific as a defensive coordinator, right? He can still have quality control you know, positions as the head coach, right? There's more positions than just, you know, oh, I manage the defense and the offense. No, there's plenty of other responsibilities. Let the, off- let the offense stay with Tom Brady and Byron Leftwich. Handle the defense because they've been really solid under his control. That's step one. Yeah, don't mess with that. Step one, don't mess with the offense. Number two, I'd probably go draft the defensive back. Uh, that that was their weakness of the team. You saw them get shredded versus L.A. in the playoff game. Um, and now... I'm whether you like it or not that's who you're going up against you have you have Allen robinson cooper cup uh, van jefferson you have a solid tight end two good backs you gotta have you gotta be able to cover you have to um so i'd go draft a defensive back that that um booth andrew booth the second or what i think is it uh, his full name from clemson he was actually shooting up draft boards even into the top 10 i think he'll probably fall the bucks have like a 31st pick um, it's certainly interesting. If they can get him, I would. If not, like a Kyler Gordon, I believe, from Washington, he'd be a solid pick as well. Number three, probably go draft a tight end. I think Cade Otten, he is from Washington as well, or Isaiah Likely, he's from Coastal Carolina, kind of a weird school. I think you got to go get a young tight end, even if Gronk comes back. You know, if Cameron Brate, who's... Cameron breaks 30. You have Gronk. He'll be north of 30. He'll be, what, 32, 33, right? So you, you kind of have some age at the tight end position. Um, and Tom Brady loves his safety valve tight ends, his tight ends, his running backs. All the check downs, Love yeah. Love it. So I'd probably go to tight end, and then I'd go get a running back in the later rounds for some depth. I would consider taking a late-round quarterback, right? I think a quarterback like Carson Strong out of Nevada could drop into the fourth round. Um, and, and he's a he'd be a talented fourth-round quarterback. He's big. Um, he's got a big arm. He can move a little bit. He's not super mobile, but I mean, kind of the mobility of like a Carson Wentz, not quite as mobile, but kind of that build, right? Tall, big, a little bit aggressive. Um, and that's kind of what's been working in the NFL. Is he Does he need to refined? Absolutely. Um, but it's an idea I'd consider it. That's kind of an asterisk. Well, let's go with the Saints. I think step one would be to kind of figure out this cap, hell that they put themselves in. They kind of franchised, mortgaged uh, the the future. When Drew Brees is kind of going on that last run. Um, they're okay with the cap this year, next year, they're still gonna be over. Um, so I would kind of start front loading, you know, all those deals. Have rework have those guys rework that deal and be like, how about you want that money a little early? Let's 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 have this issue on the front, the front end. Like, I'd rather be having cap issues now while I'm kind of rebuilding that way uh you know like two three years down the road we have a lot of cap space when we have our franchise quarterback maybe we probably have an offensive coach by then I hope Dennis Allen's fine but at that point I'm hoping we have I'm not hoping to fire anybody but hope we've moved on to an offensive coach we'll be out of cap hell that would be my step number one is try to get yourself out of this in two years kind of plan now to get to be free in two years Second thing, I'd probably go draft a tackle. They gave up uh, Teron, Teron Armstead, their offensive tackle. It was a good trade. I mean, I would have done it too. You got to get younger at the position. Uh, there's a couple guys that stand out that Equanu uh, or whatever. Um, I think Kristoffik gave him a shout-out when he came on. Andrew Kristofik, the uh, offensive offensive uh, tackle for Notre Dame, gave this shout-out to Equanu. He's from NC State big athletic tackle really big yeah. um and then also there's a there's a guy that's like his name rain man i believe is his last name raineman something like that uh anyway i'd go get a tackle to replace to run arms get younger and cheaper at the position but that's a position that no matter who your quarterback is you kind of want to build around your left tackle especially if you don't have a lot of other talent maybe you got like michael thomas Marshawn Lattimore, alvin kamara and a bunch of nothing So let's go get some talent let's let's protect whoever we have sitting back there Um, and then at 19 they have a draft 16 and then they draft 19th I'd probably go get a wide receiver if Olave is available I'd probably take Chris Olave if not don't reach right don't you, you have plenty of needs don't go reaching for a wide receiver because the next best available um, might land you down to like a George Pickens which you could get him in the second round maybe even the third round um, you certainly would not draft him at 19 I hope nobody I, I hope again I hope this kid makes his money has a great career whatever uh, but I personally wouldn't draft Pickens that high I think he'll be available in the second or third he's had some injury concerns. If Olave is available at 19, draft him. If not, go get the best available person. You got a lot of needs. Let's fill one of them with, yeah. a, with a really talented guy. All right, number uh, number the third three in the division, let's go with the Panthers. So we have the first thing I would do, I, I'm going to get Malik Willis at six. Um, the, the Cardinals a couple years ago showed you, you can draft a quarterback, and if you don't like him in a year, go draft another one the following year. Josh Rosen, they took him at, what, nine or whatever, was utterly horrific turn around go get Kyler Murray ask them how it's doing it's going pretty well it's going pretty well you've gotten to the playoffs um you've become relevant you've been super competitive um so go draft Malik Willis at six he's got so much talent that if you hit and you have an offensive coach in Matt Rule right so if he can unlock something in Malik Willis to kind of refine him a little bit with all that talent that size the mobility the big arm um, it's the ceiling is too high to kind of not pick them, especially no. at six. I mean, if it hits, it will hit. I mean, are you really going to roll in this season with Sam Donald as your quarterback? I'm a Sam Donald supporter, and I would not advise it. I just wouldn't advise that. Not if you're
0: going for a division win, I wouldn't. <laughs> if you're if, if you're, you're going, going to tank and, and and you know try to get a better draft, you're going pick for, for
1: if you're going for eight wins, even if you're going for eight wins, I don't think I Sam Donald. I still
0: wouldn't trust it. No.
1: Taking Malik Willis. Anyway, uh, number two, let's go get an offensive lineman to protect him. I don't think they the end to like, the third round. I, I was seeing some mock drafts, like, and also if you look in, you know, the, the general prospect range. Like, I got like Thayer Munford, he was from uh, Ohio State, so he's been, he's played Big Ten football, which kind of gives him a little bit of a taste in the NFL, right? He's a big kid. He's not going to be overwhelmed. It's an idea. Um, and then at three, I'd probably go draft a linebacker, right? Because you look around their team. So if I go get if I go get an offensive lineman that can start, I'll at least be B minus on the on the line. You could argue go get another lineman, but I'll at least be B minus on the offensive line. I have A minus weapons. I have an A running back. Um, my defense. The last year, their defense played really, really well. You second your secondary solid. You just drafted one last season. Um, but the linebacking core is a little slow, so I'd probably go get Malcolm Rodriguez. He's from Oklahoma State, and they had one of the best defenses in the country this year from a Big Twelve school. It's almost unheard of, and he was kind of one of the um, unsung heroes and one of the captains of that defense. Let's go grab him in the, uh, the I believe fourth round. They would take him. And finally, the Falcons. So the Falcons, I don't even have a I don't even have a draft pick really th- on here. Um, number one, I'd probably swallow the season. I'd, I'd swallow. The, they're in cap hell. They're paying Matt Ryan more money than any quarterback on their roster to not play for them, right? So I just realized that hey, this isn't going to be our season. We're going to use this to grow. We're going to use it to get better. And then by next year, twenty twenty three, we are going to be out of this cap hell that we put ourselves in um, with the Matt Ryan contract. We'll have a lot of free space opened up. We'll probably have a really solid pick in a in a draft that's going to have a lot of good quarterbacks. Swallow the season. Let's get some talent, and realize that next year is probably the year where you start turning it around for real. So that's, that'd be number one. Number two, this this season, just in general for the draft, just let's go out and get the best guy available. Every single pick should be the best available person. I don't care of uh, I don't care of the position. I mean, look around right now. Their offensive line needs a ton of work. Their weapons, outside of Kyle Pitts, there is nobody. He's a chandelier in a warehouse. There's nothing. There's nothing. Um, linebackers are are okay you have Deion Jones but they're pretty weak outside of him Uh, their defensive front is weak they just lost two pass rushers they have an uh, okay young corner but outside of him not good safeties are weak I would go get the best available player at every single pick and number three I would set yourself I would like set reasonable goals. What I don't what you don't want to happen is be like, "Oh, this team can really really compete. We have a chance to win the division. We're going to the playoffs." And when it doesn't happen, then the entire fan base blows up, you end up firing your coach and now you're the Cleveland Browns. Where you're firing your coach or the or the Giants, right? Where you're firing your coach every single season because for some reason people thought Joe Judge with that roster was going to make the playoffs. Like, let's wake up. You know what I mean? Like let's not expect Arthur Smith to, to backpack this absolutely horrendous roster to the playoffs. Let's set some realistic goals. Let's hope we see some growth within the season. Let's understand that if we win five games, it'll be a miracle. Um, Let's all understand that, set reasonable goals so we don't end up firing the coach, shipping off all our best players, and starting completely fresh again. Because you do have some talent. You have Kyle Pitts. You go get the best available guys. I think Arthur Smith can be a good coach. He's at least offensive. Let's all just relax for the season. Swallow the season. Let's get talented. Let's grow a little bit. Let's not not freak out because this team doesn't make the playoffs because they're not going to. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be expected to. That is GM genius. The Bucs, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons, kind of a tire fire below Tampa. Uh, But when we come back on the other side of the break, we'll have MLB division predictions. Opening day starts a couple hours here. And eventually, who's that yinzer to polish off the show? Thank you, guys. Hey guys,
0: it's Luke here from The Issue. Doing the podcast, we want equipment that works just as hard as we do. That's why we chose Rockville Audio when we thought to build the studio. We got our microphones, boomsticks, a mixer, headphones, audio cables, everything from rockvilleaudio.com. They have way more than that. They have stuff for your car, for boats, lighting, audio, everything you could possibly need Find it at rockville.com. They are awesome. Go check it out. That is rockville.com. What's up? We are back. It is the third segment on a Thursday, um, April 7th to be exact. We got baseball this segment. I messed up last segment. Uh, saying that we would have baseball and football both in this. Well,
1: we made a little last minute adjustment.
0: We did. Um, so we're going baseball. We're going to predict all the division winners and kind of the order of the divisions. Um,
1: like I know, said, going mm-hmm.
0: into the start of the, the season today.
1: Like I said, 162 games. I'm not going to sit here and argue you over over 10 games uh, on the record. You know no, what I mean? No. Like the, for football, it makes
0: sense because every game is so important. You can go 17 through. games.
1: It's really easy to go through, go win, loss, win, loss. Wait. Yeah. 162 games we, for, for, what, 30 teams?
0: It would be like, all right, we're on to the month of July for the Pirates, all right. Yeah. L, um, L, L.
1: We would be sitting there for, I mean, we if we had to actually do that, we, we'd probably be sitting there for, <laughs> what, 48 consecutive hours just doing that, so that it's just not going to happen. Um, so we're going to tell you just the general feel um, of how these videos are going to shake out. Let's start with the AL East. Let's start at the bottom like we always do. Let's go Orioles at five. Uh, I mean, their payroll is just as low as the Pirates. It's, they, they, they're they devoid of talent. Um, no, no, no argument there. Let's go raise. This is kind of a hot take. I'm going to go raise it for you. You actually, you're going to go raise it for you. are the one that wrote this. Yeah. And we kind of add a little conversation about it. Maybe They're always good with no talent, but the thing is they really don't have a lot like the starting pitching is a little bit weak yeah they just let up awesome meadows they just gave him up traded him away he's probably one of their top three hitters they showed a lot of spark like one two years ago and especially going into last season i remember we
0: were kind of talking about them a lot um and i mean this year it's like a totally different script for them i mean this offseason was not good to the Rays whatsoever we have them at four
1: I just think in a division when you have the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays above you in that order, so there's there's the order right there, there's a lot of talent on those rosters. Like, the Yankees at three still is even probably shocking to some people. I think the issue is that the Yankees have had high expectations for the last, what, five, six years, and they've always underperformed. Um, I mean, it, it, Chapman, Judge, Torres, uh, Stanton, Gary Sanchez, go on. I mean, they they've had high expectations and they've been kind of flopping. Uh, So we'll go Yankees at three here, and I'm gonna go Red Sox. You said Red Sox at two. Why do you like the Red Sox at two? Uh, they have over the Yankees in like they actually
0: have a more I would say consistently hitting and more high powered offense um, like you said the Yankees they miss on a lot of big pickups Stanton was kind of really a big miss for them they didn't need another He's... home run guy that's going to strike out 80% mm-hmm. of the time yeah. they didn't need it they already had that in an Aaron Judge um, and having a guy like that is fine but do you need two of them in the same lineup probably not um, I think the Red Sox bring more consistency. More I think more well-rounded. I think they are more well-rounded. Like you said, we did have the conversation. The pitching scares me a little bit, but I do think that this is a team that is aggressive enough to realize what they have offensively and maybe make a couple big moves before the trade deadline. To, to fix some of the gaps uh, in the pitching.
1: Certainly no idea. And then we have the Blue Jays at the top. I think they've done the most this offseason. In the past two offseasons, they're kind of loaded offensively. Bo Bichette, uh, Vladdy Guerrero, you, you got George Springer, Kevin Biggio is probably going to take a step forward. I mean, they got a lot of big names. You go get Ryu and, and a bunch of other guys who are going to who are going to throw really, really well for you. So I'm going to go uh, Blue Jays at the top. And I wouldn't be surprised if they underperform as well. They got a lot of young guys. But for right now, i am at the top. Let's go with the AL Central. Let's have the Royals, the Guardians. This is in reverse order, so the Royals and then the Guardians are the are the bottom two. Um, Not much discussion for these two teams. They're really bad. Yeah, the Royals. The Royals aren't good. They have a lot of young talent, so give them a couple years. But right now, they just don't feel like they're going to compete. Yeah, I think they have one of the most competitive um,
0: farm systems, though. I mean, the, oh, the coming up through the through the pipeline. There, they have. A pretty good outlook for the future but right now it looks grim
1: <laughs> yeah i agree and same with the guardians but uh they, they've kind of sold the farm the last three years now they just gave jose ramirez an extension don't know why he would even sign it i mean it was big money but I, I don't know why he would elect to stay there much longer um i would argue that he just wants to get his money i mean hey there's nothing wrong with that no. nothing wrong with it mashing 320 a year um, with 30 home runs and getting paid a lot of money nothing wrong with that um, but if you want to go win some championships, I wouldn't hang around Cleveland much longer. All right, Tigers at three. This will probably surprise some people. But, I mean, look, Spencer Torkelson, the number one or two, he's a top three prospect in the entire league. Is going to be called up. He's going to be playing. Um, Casey Mize is a top pitching prospect that they have. Um, look, are they super talented? No. But in this division, I'm not sure you have to be. And I think they'll be scrappy enough to get to three. I know the Buckos played him a, a, a good bit. I think it was last year, the year before, uh, and they're they're scrappy. They're they're going to be a solid team. I look under five hundred probably, but under 500, 20 games under five hundred will probably land you in the third spot in this division. Yeah, um, let's go with the Twins at two. I think the Twins. Look, you were talking about their young talent, like Crowloff, even Byron Buxton's still kind of young. Mm-hmm. Um, Miguel Sano's still relatively young. Oh yeah, they got some guys. I think, uh, they gonna, got some, I think they'll
0: be okay. They got some dudes that'll produce for years to come. I think um, this year is going to be a little bit of a preview almost. Um, I don't think there's. I, I still think they're going to underperform. I still think they will. Yeah, no, I still I think. think it, I think they're
1: barely barely over five hundred.
0: Yes, um, but I think that is a, a place that does land you in a two spot in a division that's this week. I mean, yeah, you, it's, you it's, have a Cleveland, you have a K- uh, Kansas City,
1: even Detroit's bad. Uh, the th- they're the three here. Yeah,
0: they're not going to. I don't see them falling lower than those teams, but I also don't see them with like an insanely high ceiling where they go and they outperform the White Sox, and that's who we have at number one.
1: It's the White Sox division to lose. Luis Robert, Aloya Menez, uh, Giolito on the bump. You get, um, oh my God, compl- uh, Yasmani Grandal back behind the plate. Uh, I- you could argue pitching is their weak spot, but. I, even that, they're still solid. right? I don't think they have a glaring weakness. Now, I will say, they strike out a lot, and that worries me. But in this today's game nowadays, if you can counteract with, with home runs, it'll at least get you to win the division. Now, playoff success is a completely different story. I remember when I was watching them, they got beat by the Astros this past year. I, I, I said a lot ago, they don't put the ball in play enough. That'd be my issue. They don't they don't hit the ball hard in play enough, especially in the playoffs. Um, but we're talking about regular season here, and I think their sheer talent can will them to the number one spot. All right, AL West. Um, I think the A's in the basement is kind of an obvious pick. They've lost now their head coach, their best pitcher, their best two or three hitters. Um, they, they really don't have anyone of note. They've gotten rid of a lot of talent. I mean, um, Ramon Laureano is probably their best player. I think he hit like 240 last year. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I don't know what it really else to basement. Basement. Uh, okay, let's go with the Rangers at four. Now this is going to surprise some people because they just went out and spent for Corey Seager, Marcus Semien. Um, is, it, is it the pitching that worries you? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you.
0: I mean, there's they, they're. <laughs> The starting pitching is bad, the bullpen is worse, and the closing don't even get me started. I think I saw a stat somewhere like in the last week or two that they have one of the the highest uh, rates of blown saves over the last five years of any other team in the MLB. Um, So let's keep that in mind. Their bullpen is horrendous. Their starting pitching is bad. And you don't if it's that bad. Like a team like the Red Sox, like we talked about earlier, their pitching is really good compared to like a lot of the league. But we're talking about to be a hyper competitive, like the Red Sox expect to be.
1: Right, I agree. I agree. The Rangers aren't up to par. No, they're not up to par. Now they do have some young, really talented hitters. That Garcia is a really solid hitter. You got Corey Seager, Marcus Semien. They'll definitely be one of the more competitive fourth-place teams. Give them a year or two to get their pitching staff up, and they could be higher up in the AL West. But for right now, let's go with four. I think the Mariners. First of all, they bring in Robbie Ray, who's a Cy Young winner. Um, they have a lot. They're they're kind of like the Royals, but the Royals in two years, right? Which which where more of their young talent is already in the bigs, right? The Royals yeah. give them another year, and more of their young talent will be up. Um, the Mariners are kind of in that right now, where a lot of their young talents getting called up. They're going to be given a chance to kind of show out. And uh, last year, Jared uh, Kelnick, one of their top prospects at the time, got called up and he showed out. They have their other top prospect He's going to start the year on the on the major league roster. So young and exciting, and uh, they're they're certainly going to vie. They're going to be just like this past year, where they're really kind of quietly four or five games out of that wild card spot really competitive they'll probably go into the last weekend playing meaningful baseball that's all you can ask for from a team that's kind of at the at the back end of a rebuild all right um the angels at two when you have the two when you have the two highest odds um players right Mike Trout and Shohei Otani to win MVP you gotta do something right not to mention Anthony Rendon was an MVP candidate two years ago and he plays third base for them now. Um, so you have three of the top, probably thirty players in the league. Um, you just went out and get no, uh, got Noah Syndergaard. You got Joe Adele, who's I, probably has one more you're going to try try to prove himself. He's been a kind of a quote unquote top prospect for the last like three years. Um, he's been up for two or three of them, and uh, it's time for him to kind of show out. And I think he could. So you, you got the talent. You, you're getting a little bit of pitching with Syndergaard. Um, they, they got to do something. They have to, they have to do something.
0: No, yeah, they do. Uh, splash move before the deadline. Uh, and get some, get those guys gelling. Get them playing together. Like, they, now.
1: They have to be viable in the last weekend of the season. They have to be making a wild card game. They have to be. I, I, with the expanded format and that amount of talent, you have to make the wild card. You have to. I, I don't think there's any excuse. Otani and Syndergaard are your number one and two. And then... You have Otani, Trout, <laughs> Rendon. Uh, Otani's insane.
0: Yeah, very rarely do you hear Otani for you know the same name for the pitcher and the best hitter.
1: Right. Um, let's go AL uh, top of the AL West now. So we have the Astros at the top of the AL West. Um, yeah, I think that that feels about right. Even losing Correa, you still have Altuve. You have Bregman. You have Verlander, and uh, you, you know you could throw the the whole cheating, science stealing. They've still been one of the best, well, most well-run organizations over the last five years. Um, they, they'll, they'll land at the top here.
0: Yeah, plus I doubt that they've gotten
1: rid of every trash can in the stadium, so they'll be just fine. <laughs> All right, let's go with the NL East. Now with the news that DeGrom's going to miss significant time, I think this is the Phillies' division to lose. I think the Braves are gonna, certainly going to be viable if Acuna can come back and be you know, kind of close to what he was before he tore his ACL, but losing Freddie Freeman is huge. That's a big loss. Um, and they're pitching kind of underwhelmed last year. And if they underwhelm again, that's going to be rough. So that's why the Braves aren't number one, because a lot of people would say, oh, well, why not the Braves? I think it's the Phillies division to lose. You go Nola and Wheeler as your number one and two. Um, and then you have Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, D.D. Gregorius. Um, Alec Baum is, is kind of a blossoming superstar at third base. I think at least he could be. Uh, and then you have J.T. Realmuto, who in my eyes is, is one of the top three best catchers in the game. This should be the Phillies. This should be the Phillies division to lose. I'm going to be honest with you. So we'll go Phillies one, Braves at two. The Mets with that news and the fact that the Mets are always going to met. They're are a three they're a three team to me. Yeah. I mean, you 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 were looking and we were we had a discussion. You might think that they were closer to one. I said the Mets are always going to met. Yeah, you did. Um. And I understand
0: why. And I think that injury has a lot to do with it. Um. Regardless if that injury you know what no i i just think that has a, a big part to play because i was looking at a lot of different um kind of predictions i was going through the, you know the cbs the fox the nbc everybody that covers baseball and
1: getting a temperature gauge
0: everybody was pretty high on the mets yeah um and i'm a, that's obviously before the news of of you know you're not getting him back this year so
1: well at least for the first half they said probably somewhere around the first half that's still
0: yeah so good luck i mean a hot start kind of matters and having one of your you know your top pitcher out for that amount of time is uh is definitely not going to bode you well for the start of the season uh so have fun playing catch up
1: and then so to to round out the bottom two let's go marlins then nationals i think the nationals outside of Juan Soto, are pretty devoid of talent. They're also in that space where they're probably going to have a couple more young guys coming up here throughout the season. Um, It's kind of a hot take, though, to pick the Marlins above them. But, hey, if we just sat here and and read you what we've, you know, the obvious answer, well, then that's no fun. So let's go Marlins at four, Nationals at five. Um, Down to the NL Central, let's go Pirates at the bottom, Reds at four, Cubs at three, the Cardinals at two and the Brewers at one. The Pirates aren't even close to competing. The Reds just sold the farm this offseason, so don't even give me that. The Cubs, I can't even tell you their best player. Uh, I think it's a guy named Patrick Wisdom, if I believe, or if I, if I remember correctly. So I, they kind of sold the, the club too. I think it's the top two, the Brewers and the Cardinals, that are going to compete for for the for the top spot. And then I think it's just the other three that are just kind of hanging and around. Think, and the Brewers get that top spot, too. Right. I think we're going to give the Brewers the top spot. They sign Andrew McCutcheon. I love that signing. They probably have the more consistent pitching right now than the Cardinals do. Outside of Jack Flaherty, I'm not really sure the Cardinals are going to throw that you're going to be that scared of. Wainwright's fine, but at this age, I worry about longevity a little bit. They have a decent closer. That Jordan Hicks, throws like 102. He's actually really solid. Um... It's certainly going to be close. I think this could come within a game or two, right? If they play each other in the last weekend, look out! It's going to be it, it's going to be making or breaking who wins the division. Yeah, very. It's going to, it's going to be baseball. good baseball. Plus, I think there's no way Christian Yelich can be as bad as he was this past season. I think he'll kind of return to MVP. A little bit of a form. bounce back, yeah. Right, and I think he's going to kind of come back with a vengeance. So we'll go Brewers at one, Cardinals at two. And finally, the NL West. I'm gonna go Dodgers one, Padres two, Giants three, Rockies four, and the Diamondbacks five. Um, again, well, kind of a, kind of a big jump. So let's go Dodgers, Padres, Giants. All are gonna compete for the one, two, and three. Like I think, obviously, but I think I think it's the Dodgers are certainly on the pedestal, and I think it's logical to think that either the Padres or the Giants could knock them off. Yeah. I don't think you could even argue me into the Rockies, the Diamondback, Diamondback coming within that those top three. I, I, I'm not sure. I think the Diamondbacks are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. And the Rockies, yes, you can go out and sign Chris Bryant. That doesn't change that you are never going to attract a high-end free agency pitcher to, to pitch in that stadium. It's just not going to happen. Airs no. too thin, ball flies all over the yard. You'll be able to attract Chris Bryant. They've always been able to hit as an organization, never been able to pitch, and at the end of the day, you got you got to stop the bleeding. So uh, the Rockies, I don't think, are going to be viable. The Dodgers are clearly the best team. They just got to pay for the best players, which is it healthy for the sport? Probably not. But is it the best way to win right now? I mean, yeah. I
0: go, go buy the talent. Yeah.
1: Obviously. The Padres are good, but I worry a little bit about their pitching rotation. Um, Snell is good, but not great anymore. Paddock, if he can return to form, is okay. Clevenger is is good. I I worry a little bit with their rotation. The Giants are fine, but every now and then they catch lightning in a bottle for a year, and then they kind of they kind of recede a little and bit. They kind of regress, return back to earth for a little. Right. Bit. I think they're certainly going to be viable. They're going to be scrappy. They're they're, they're going to be good, but they also lost their top pitcher, Kevin Gosman, went to the Blue Jays. Um, Buster Posey another year under his belt. Is he? Uh, I don't know. So we'll see. That that's the NLS, Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Rockies, Diamondbacks, and that rounds out our predictions for the MLB preseason. Um, like I said, opening day here starts in a couple hours. Um, so, so, so go watch that. I don't I don't I, I don't know what the best way. There's no like red zone for that. So. Uh, pick a game or two maybe wheel out a second TV and have some fun
0: <laughs> wheel out the
1: Yeah I don't I don't know maybe flip back and forth find find a, another station so you can keep hitting the last button so it's convenient That's for you That's always a good one yeah It's always a classic so what, whatever you got to do go watch some baseball today cuz I, I I certainly am
0: All right uh we're going to get into Who's that Yinzer the newest segment on the show the third let, week of it
1: Let me go first You're time.
0: going first
1: I feel like I feel like I always go second
0: Okay yeah you do go second
1: I wanna go first this time.
0: So Tim will play me a clip of a famous Pittsburgh
1: uh, someone who got famous in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, in sports.
1: All right, maybe it's not gonna play. Clip it, yeah. So
0: Frank Cush was out in Arizona state. And they came to our camp in the summer. So I kinda developed a relationship there and they did have Pennsylvania guys on the team at the time. <clears throat> uh, Mike Riley, who played at South Hills Catholic,
1: him and uh, Mike Bad News Barnes from Peabody, they were both playing at Miami, Florida. I'll give you a hint. He is frequently on the Colin Cowherd. Not the podcast, the, the Herd. He's frequently on the Herd. So, no, Frank. Push was out of there. Oh, my. Good Lord. Let me get you let me get you another one. That's your hand though. And he came to our camp in the summer, so I
0: kinda developed a relationship there
1: and they did have Pennsylvania guys on the team at
0: the time. Uh Mike Riley, who played at Southfield's Catholic, and uh Mike Bad News
1: Barnes from Peabody, they were both playing at Miami, Florida. He is known for a collegiate sport. Because I am gonna say it sounds
0: a lot like Pat and
1: It is not Pat and Arduozy. But Similar. I'll give you another guess, because you just had to sound like him. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. Say no, yeah. guess.
0: I'm just trying to like work through it in my head right now.
1: Famous for something collegiate. Yeah. Played football at Pitt.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming. And
1: then returned to a role at Pitt that um, was a coach at Pitt. Oh man. trying to think. Coached at Pitt. Coached at Pitt. How do I not know? There's, there's, a, that's a lot of hints on, on the herd a lot. Coached at Pitt. The one, the herd's throwing me off. He's, he's on there once a month, maybe once every other month. He's certainly on there. i just say it. Dave Wonstadt. Oh, my God. Dave Wonstadt played football at Pitt, was probably the best Pitt coach uh, football-wise in the last 20 years. Um, Narduzzi's certainly performing well, and with the latest ACC championship, he'll he'll certainly be vying for that spot as well. But Wonstadt currently is probably the most successful head coach over the last decade, played football at Pitt, Yeah, frequently on the herd, I'm um, telling you, when, when
0: you hear the voice and you can't see, and you there, and there's pressure. I, know. I don't want to sound like an idiot. All right, here we go. It's your turn. Right. Um, I'll play you the clip first and then give you hints as we go. Yeah, cool. It gave us all the opportunity to, to set the platform higher for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the likes of what we've done uh, to achieve this status and being professional athletes, but also being Super Bowl champions.
1: Uh, being. Did he go to college at Pitt? No. No. Okay.
0: He did not go to college at Pitt. Uh, obvious. He uh, played football. Okay. Um, do you want position?
1: No, it's okay. I feel like that's played, too specific.
0: Played football, so obviously it's in Pittsburgh. It's it, steel, it, not, not collegiate.
1: So t- it's for Steelers. Current,
0: played. current or former? Former.
1: Cool. Okay. Go ahead, and play it again.
0: It gave us all the opportunity to to set the platform higher for ourselves, mm-hmm. and uh, with the likes of what we've done uh, to achieve this status and being professional athletes, but also being Super Bowl champions.
1: Uh, Super Bowl champions. So we haven't won since Antonio Holmes that season, and then the the, the couple of seasons before. So in my head receiver probably. Receiver. Um we already went with Heinz Warden, not is it San Antonio Holmes? Yeah, it is. Okay. Nailed it. Wow. There it is. Santonio San Holmes. Okay, so now I'm two and one. Two and one. All right. We need to write that down All before right. we forget. All right. Timbo is two and one. This feels good, I will say. This feels good.
0: That was good. I, I feel like the Super Bowl uh him saying Super Bowl in there kinda gave
1: you the hint certainly that you certainly good, certainly good and then the whole, you know, played football in Pittsburgh, not clean. Oh that, that I like that. That was good. That was good. That was a good who's that user to me. No, I? yeah, it was. Uh i I have, I have like a couple that
0: I wanna do that I, like I've been sitting here like, oh I wanna do him. And I'm like, but his voice is too
1: iconic. Right. But I, like I, he, I thought that was Aaron Donald for a second. Oh man. He's a little bit more softer spoken, I think. I don't know.
0: Whatever. I, I just feel like I've heard him talk so many times I'd be able to pick it up. I'm to start you know? doing
1: my research and just go listen to a bunch of people that are from Pittsburgh. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: either way, that is all we have for you guys today. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, we will be back next week, so go in the meantime, check out our Instagram. We'll, be, we'll have a bunch of things to post this week, at the underscore issue podcast, and then our Twitter, just at the issue podcast go check out uh all of our social media and then our tiktok it's in the link tree all right we're posting tiktoks every week now along with a new episode
1: it is the issue underscore podcast um we just did a a little buy or sell on there this past week that a bunch of people liked, so that's awesome
0: and uh as soon as this episode is rolling there will be another one up so go over check out that new tiktok and guys thank you for hanging out and that was the issue